0: Is wonderful. Uh, wow, Drew, that is great. The important thing is you go on these retreats, you find Christ, and you come home with a girlfriend. That's just uh, wonderful. Yeah, so that's great. It is, uh, this is Reformation Sunday. As uh, Tim, did you write that song, Creed? Wow, that's a good job. We need to say, "Yay!" there you go. Um, on October 31st, yeah, 1517, a German priest by the name of Martin Luther uh, tacked some, we don't know whether he actually did on the door of the Wittenberg Castle or whether he just published. And it was, how could somebody who always sins come to Christ? And the Reformation is what Reformation Sunday is about and the basic points that sola fide, it's by faith. It's not by you having to understand everything. Sola gratis, it's by God's grace. It's not being good boys and girls that were saved. And sola scriptura. It's by Scripture alone that we're saved. And so on a Reformation Sunday, uh, we're going to read a passage of Scripture together. Now, I don't know. Do we have it on the screen? Or I don't know if, what version we have. Maybe not. Uh, if you'll take out this red Bible in front of you and stand with me and turn to Ephesians 1, page 192, uh, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians 1. Paul is writing to the church he was at the longest. It's in present day Asia Minor, Turkey, Ephesus. He was there three years. And he's trying to remind them who they are because the world was telling them all sorts of lies. This is kind of a longer passage, but we're going to read it together out loud. If you have a new international version, if you'll just hum Amazing Grace in the background, uh, we'll do this together. Why I have you read, it takes a different part of your brain to speak than it does to listen, and I want you to know this stuff. Let's read together. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Since the, the reading of God's word, heaven and earth will pass away, but that never will. For he said, "I want you to find somebody you've never met. See how many games it's going to take the Diamondbacks to win the series. Go ahead, introduce yourselves out there and see." For any of you who are visiting, I'm Mark Brewer. I'm the new pastor here. I've been here three months. For uh, two months, I was sharing with uh, what an incredible man, Dr. Vinning, as a co-pastor, and he is down in Florida, and now in the past few weeks, I've had the chance to start to drive. I've been, uh, I want to tell you, I am thrilled to be here with my wife, Carolyn, and our last tax deduction, my uh, youngest child, Rachel, <laughs> and I'm really thrilled as I look back and watch the weather reports back in Colorado uh, right now going on. We had served the church for a while in Detroit. And man, I thought I could do winter in Colorado. Man, Detroit and Chicago, you got to be tough. Uh, I was reminded when I was out there, everybody in Detroit, when they get a moment, they go down to Florida. That's where everybody gets away to. And an older couple, he had some business in Florida, and he told her, I'm going to go down and make arrangements, and I'll email you back. It's back when emails first came out, and he made a mistake, and he sent it to the wrong email address. And it went to this pastor's wife, and the pastor had just died. And she went in to check her email and they heard her scream and faint. And so they went in and there on the screen it said this. It said, honey, just to to let you know I got here safely. (laughs) Arrangements are made for your arrival next week. (laughs) P.S. It sure is hot down here. (laughs) Well, God this morning... Has our address? I know it's a long way to get to the point. Uh, <laughs> that none of us should miss, and that is, we've been looking at God's love. If you are visiting and you don't have a church home, we'd love to have Bel Air be your church home. If not, find one. There's a lot of great churches in the L.A. area that you can grow in Christ. God doesn't know anything about a lone ranger Christian just out there on her own or on his own. We've been looking. We took the lens of God's love and went zoomed it back. Three weeks ago, and looked at God loves this world. He loves this mess. Not the sin in it, but the people in it is why he sent his son into it. In the middle of all the fears and anthrax and terrorism and fight, God is not going to let this world go. We saw last week that God loves the city. God loves cities. They were his idea first. Not the corruption and the sin in it, but the city. And we have a part to play here in Los Angeles, working with other brothers and sisters and other churches together. But this morning we're going to zero down and talk about Bel Air. If you are visiting, we're doing, I'm kind of doing a little in-house sharing together, but hopefully this will apply to wherever your home ministry is. Bel Air, we, if we're going to be used of God, there's two things that need to be true for us. We have to first of all be biblically valid. There is a difference between building a crowd and building a church. You can do all sorts of gimmicks and bring people inside of a building. That's not building a church. A church is built upon God's Word. But second of all, we have to be culturally viable. If we're not talking the language of this culture, I don't mean their values, their language, then it's just a bunch of noise when we come in here. And how do we reach them? And I believe that by God's grace, we're going to be heading in a powerful direction. And so I want you to evaluate me, In the coming chapter, and I'm going to evaluate you on the basis of this. Well, first of all, if you look on the back of your bulletin there, the first thing uh, you'll see is a little triangle. And if we're going to be biblically valid, we need to have these three areas in our life. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And everybody goes, we're with you, Lord. What's a disciple look like? How do you know when you have a warped one? Can you warp one of these things? How do you know when you have a twisted disciple or an unhealthy one? What does a disciple look like? Well, I believe there's three areas of our life that we must be growing in if we're a follower of Christ. First of all, we have to be growing in the knowledge of the Word. God said in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, He said, You must bind. And by the way, any of you have Orthodox Jewish friends that wrap phylacteries around their hand or on their head. It's from Deuteronomy. They're doing literal what I believe He meant symbolically. You tie the Word that I'm giving to, to your hands, the things you do, how you live your life, and between your eyes, how you look at life. Jesus said, Abide in My Word. Do you know in the upper room discourse when He was with the disciples, He said three times as many times, Abide in My Word as He did to pray? Abide in My Word. I am stunned at the biblical illiteracy of Christians today. There are more wonderful books and products out there that can help people grow in Christ, and yet when you ask people, it's remarkable how little they know about God's Word. I mean, aren't there a lot of stuff? You can go, you can buy, you know, Jesus dishes and silverware, you know, and live your life. And they do have a Christian line of clothes now. You see, that's great. Uh... Well, I won't run off on that, but um, <laughs> there's so many different things that are out there. And yet you ask the average person a simple question about the Bible and they go, oh, we need to be growing. How important is it that we have these three points in our life? One of my uh, brothers I was climbing with one time. I tell all these things, terrible things that happen to my family. But we were climbing up Boulder Canyon and we were doing atrias. You know, that's where you're only hooked onto the rock. And and I'm terrified of heights. And one of my brothers said, well, this will help you get over your fear of heights. Right. Uh, And I was climbing to him and he was coming back down. All of a sudden I saw the rappel rope go shooting back out. And I thought, that's weird. Next thing I saw his body falling at me and he hit in front of me and bounced over. And I thought for sure he was gone. And I looked over and it was astonishing that he was alive He was rolling back and forth. I know you're not supposed to move somebody after an injury, but he was bleeding so much. And as I was carrying him to the car, he said, you have to remember and plan to fall. And what he meant was, you have to climb and prepare that you're hooked in, not like you're going to make that next reach. And it's something called three-point suspension. If any of you climb, first of all, you're nuts. But if any of you do... (laughs) You know how you safely climb. You always have three points on the rock. Either two feet and a hand or two hands and a foot. You never go to two-point suspension, except maybe in certain situations. Because if you lose one of those points, your body weight can't be held up. First point you need to anchor in the rock is knowing God's Word. You know, now there's two things. Jesus... Comment about knowing his word so much because from the Old Testament thy word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet If we were out right now in the Los Angeles forest at night, and we had a lamp Let me tell you two wrong things to do first of all would be to fire up the lamp and just stand and sit around and look at it If we were trying to go somewhere just to gaze at the light Have a book study on the light talk to others who have lit flashlights before but just sit there by the side of the stinking road. He has given us this word. Why? Because for each of us, God's put dreams. And God's put them in there. You know who put those there? The one who made you. And he says, I want to help you through this crazy life. And The other thing is to go running off into the forest without the light. You can't store up light. If you stare at it, you can't get an eyeful and go running because you bang, run into a tree. How many people do kind of the old Aggie salute? Should have brought God, you know, along with them. I can share with you, you know what I did as a, a child, I can confess with you because I don't know any of you, uh, but <laughs> I used to sit as a kid, Now, I was this dumb, and see if I could look so fast that I saw myself looking the other way in the mirror. <laughs> it's all right, they've adjusted my meds now, and so things are uh, better now. Joe, you know what? If you go home and try it, by the way, you can't do it. <laughs> I know somebody's writing down, I'll try that this afternoon. You can't store up light. And if you think you can come here and hear one of us, and that that's going to be enough light to take you through this week, forget it. You're going to do a pile driver into some very dangerous things out there. That's why, my friends at Bel Air, we have got to know God's Word. Well, how do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's, first of all, some great classes that are out there to get involved. And we're talking about our, and some of the wonderful single ministries here, and the collegiate ministry, and one, and those going on, in rock, and the refinery. That's how you learn the Word. You get, and it, we need to be able to, in the whole life spectrum, to be able to drop. You listen to other men and women that have walked with Christ and are more experienced. And by the way, God doesn't have seniority by age. I know some 60-year-olds that are Adolescents. They're juvenile in their understanding of life. And I know some young men and women, 13 and 14, that are already mature in the Lord. And the difference is how much they know of this. First point, we need to be able to be growing in the Word. But there are some people that have total Bible breath, and they're not a disciple. The second thing, is you'll notice, is, you never had Bible breath before? That You know what I mean? The people that can only talk Scriptures to you. You always say, how's your day? It's a blessed day. Okay. You go to lunch. Can I have the salt? You are the salt of the earth. Uh, But that's not necessarily a disciple. Second thing is we need to have healthy, accountable relationships. Bel Air, if you attend here, I'm on a mission to make sure you are in healthy, accountable relationships. And then your primary relationships. With your family, and the people you live with, and the people you go to school with, or you work with. Scripture is made to be in healthy relationships. That's what God has called us to. You know, the vertical has to flow into the horizontal, or it's a sham. If we just come here and vertically have a wonderful relationship with the Lord, and we shut off the valve for letting Him change us in our relationships out there, it's all a joke. But when we open up that valve, wow, how God's power. Carol and I, we went over there to Huntington Library. Is that with the gardens in Pasadena? And uh, God, I want a house like that. That's not bad. Uh, and all, they have the beautiful, in the Japanese gardens there. They have all those bonsai, character pines. And they were telling us how you make one of those warped trees. You clip their roots. You starve them in certain nutrients. You don't let the sunlight upon them, and they'll even tie little strings and wires to choke out the sap, and they will warp and twist to these. Bizarre shapes. That's cute for a tree. That's pathetic for a Christian. And there's a lot of bonsai, warped Christians that are out there. We don't have the right nutrients. Do Christians believe the wackiest things that are out there? And the reason why is one, not only do they know the Word, but they don't have friends, brothers and sisters, that can say, whoa, 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 don't go there. Do you have anybody... That knows you, you know those things you failed at, you're so embarrassed about? You know those things no one else knows? Is there anybody that knows that and still loves you and accepts you and doesn't judge you? Do you have anybody that you can share these wacky dreams that I think I could do this with without being embarrassed? Do you have anybody who can laugh with you at the funny things in life and cry in the tough times? That's what a disciple is. Coming alongside. And so as we move ahead, and it's not just about feeling good. Everybody wants to have a friend. it's about being good, about helping to change us in that way. So not only do you, so you got an arm and you got an arm, you're not going to climb very far, very long safely, you need to have a third part of this triad, and that is using our spiritual gifts, the different mix that we have. You know, God has given to us different abilities and different talents. And I don't mean just filling in a slot for some church where they have some program and they say well here you have to fit here here you go. I don't fit. Well, we'll push it now you fit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean there are some people like you don't want them on certain kind of air, uh, ministries because it's, you're forcing a fit and you just need human beings. Normally the church says we need help. Well, what are the qualifications? Can you move? <laughs> yeah, okay, well you raise your right hand. All right. That's not the way that you have fun, because after a while you don't like that. Because it's not an actual fit. So there are great opportunities here. Be ready for this. If we don't have an area that uses your gifts, let's find some way to use your gifts. That's where the joy is. I had an elder in this church tell me recently, he's very successful and he has a wonderful family. And he said, you know, it dawned on him this past month, bang, just like God grabbing his heart He feels his whole life is now worthwhile because of what he has been doing at Bel-Air. Of course. Is Bel-Air so neat? No. That's how God is on every church and every fellowship. And you've got a hole in you that God has made that's perfectly made for the Holy Spirit to use you. And when you start coming and using those gifts, that's when God really releases the fruit of the Spirit. You know what they did in the first century? They didn't have any programs. They didn't have any... I don't know how they worshipped. They didn't have any bulletins. (laughs) They didn't have any budget. They didn't even have any brochures. Can you believe that? And they took over the heathen, corrupt Roman Empire. How? Do you know what the abortion of the first century was? A father had the law of rule, and if he did not want to have a child, particularly a little girl, you could leave it on the hillside to the gods to decide this child's fate. And they died by the thousands. And do you know what the early Christians did? They sat under the bridges in Rome where they left these children and said, We'll take your child. You know what hospital comes from? It comes from the early Christians. Hospitality. No one had medicine for just the general public till the Christians. In fact, even one of the great Roman emperors who hated the Christians said, These impetuous Christians care not only for their own sick, they care for ours. Isn't that a great compliment from a disgusted man? What are these crazy? Do you know, by the way, in one of the early plagues in Rome, the best records came from the Christians. Do you know why? Because when the plague came to town, everybody else left. You know, stayed. Even though they got the plague and died. The Christians. And they recorded about it. Teaching. You know how people were taught? It's from Christians. If you were wealthy, you tutored your own, but everybody else was ignorant. The early believers said they need to learn to read so that they can know. And so they can grow in Christ. And that's where I know that God has so much power in us. Well, like I said, it's not only just to be biblically valid. We've got to be culturally viable. And this is the fun part. We've got to talk this language of this culture. And one thing, not only does a community transform an individual life, but it transforms an entire city, as I said last week, to congregationalize it. If we evangelize this city... If this next week, everybody in Los Angeles gave their life to Christ, can you imagine what next week would be like? Would that be great? I mean, that's kind of the understatement of the year. But you know, if we did that and we didn't have congregations, we'd have to do it all again in five years. Congregations. Every flavor that loves the Lord that's out there, we need Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, all those that love Christ lifting up His name. Certain bold for certain bugs, you know? Different kinds out there come together. And the power that does this, though, is speaking this culture's language. And this is always fun because, what is the language of worship? Now, this service has a different worship style than the 9 o'clock worship service. By the way, I was talking with the 9 o'clock and John, our great organist, this marvelous organ here. Do you know that this musical instrument was forbidden from worship during the time of Martin Luther? Because what they used in the beer halls? This is the heavy metal lead right here of the 16th century. Well, they thought, no, that's too worldly. And now, who knows what it'll be someday. Someday, when guitars and drums and stuff, our children's children, of Christ doesn't return, they'll go, oh, give me a break, gag, this stuff. Who knows what they have. Maybe they'll just be hitting each other with plates. I don't know, but <laughs> but it'll be it'll be a new kind of worship style. What about the language of architecture? How do we reach this culture? You know, this room is beautifully designed at the transcendence of the highness of God. Some Christian worship, they like to feel intimate and it's closer. Should you have chairs? Should you have pews? I like lazy boys. I don't know if we could do that or not, you know. Yeah, you could prop that up right there without feeling nice right now. Maybe a big holder for a big Coke. I don't know or not, but... How do you reach this culture? And what about the language of networking and communications. Some people email. You know, I mean, uh, this staff is trying to teach me how to use a Palm Pilot. You should watch these pastors. They're all tapping away. They don't even talk anymore. They just send things out of you know each other. Some people, no, that's not the way to do it. Other people, it's a simple note. Other thing, it's a phone call. Other is stopping by. It's all really the language, though, of love. Do we know the needs of this city and Bel Air? That's what we're about. 1993 in denver it was called the summer of violence there were so many gang killings more young lives were snuffed out in 93 than the previous 15 years combined and some of us uh, came together and we met with the mayor and he said we need to do something and we said let's see what the churches can do and a lot of our brothers and sisters particularly the african-american the hispanic in denver i don't know about here Mostly the Hispanic and black games were the ones that were capping each other most of the time. And a lot of them came from Christian homes, by the way. And they still respected the church. And we said, well, what can we do? And we brought together for something called Denver Link, leaders involved in networking for the kingdom. And we just gathered together in the arena. Every flavor that we had there. And we had, we had Messianic Jews and Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox and Baptists and the Pentecostals. They were praising God and doing back gainers. You know, uh, and the Presbyterians, we were just going, indeed, you know, and uh, moving along and, and gathered. But, but here's the remarkable thing. At the end of that time, the reason I tell you is a guy came up to me, had been working in security there that night. And he said, you know, I used to go to the church. He said, and I saw the hypocrisy. And he said, but if this is what Christianity is about, maybe I'll check it out again. What was the power? power was just in watching people love each other. Bel Air, we need more facilities around here. We need room for this place to grow. We need places to be able to take care of our children and for our college and our singles ministry. We need to financially get healthy. Of course we do. We need so many different ways of reaching out. you know what I need the most here? I need women and men who are willing to love others. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart, that you may know the hope that you're called to. Do you know what's waiting for you? We're not just doing time in this crazy world till God gets us. He said, I pray you know, the eyes of your heart may know the riches of the people you're sitting by. Wait till you see them someday. Right now they may look like a dork. <laughs> but wait till you see them a hundred years from now, after being in the presence of Christ, we'd be tempted to take a knee before them or they're going to be something, as C.S. Lewis said, out of the worst nightmare of hell you've ever had. Paul said that you might know the immeasurable power in us who believe. I was thinking when I was watching the snow reports of a young Welsh woman writing. She was a mother writing from Scotland down to Wales. Her husband had died and she had her only boy. And a snowstorm came out of nowhere, one of those heavy wet storms that come... Three days later, they found her body. And when they came riding up, they saw a wagon there and a woman who was completely naked. And they thought maybe she went crazy. And when they went over to pull her and to put her into the back of their wagon, there was all of her clothes wrapped around a little baby. And he was alive. His name, by the way, was David Lloyd George. He became one of the great prime ministers of England. Any women in here would say, of course a mother would do that, would wrap their heart and protect the child from freezing to death. I need some of you that are willing to do that with other people in this city. They've got obnoxious personalities. They've got weird idiosyncrasies. They just believe the nuttiest things. And yet, if by Christ's grace, we wrap ourselves around them. We'll spell it out. Okay. If this is your church home, and you're going to make it your church home, some of you are going to leave with my coming here. You'll say, you know, God bless Bel Air, but they got a nut at the helm now. You know, uh, I'll come back when he's raptured. Uh, I hope a lot of you stay. We'll have some new ones. But I want to be real clear on where we're going. It is my responsibility. You give me three years. Within three years, that's the amount of time it takes to either go through seminary or take the 405 home. (laughs) I will have you knowing the Word of God. Well, I will have you hooked up with friends that will last a lifetime. And you'll be using your gift here to transform lives in here or in this city. And if not, then we'll find a church where you can grow in that way. And if I haven't done it with the majority of people in here, then you set my date for my going away party and you get someone in here that can do it. By the way, I like carrot cake. (laughs) (laughs) What it's going to take from you. I want your heart and your love for this church and this mission like Christ has it. I want your ideas and your dreams And your insights. I want 10% of your money to be going to the Lord. Because that was God's idea, not mine. You're big boys and girls. He'll tell you where to give it. I'm not telling you to give everything here. If this is your home church, I want some of it coming here. I want five hours a week from you. That's about as much time in front of one TV night. Two hours to be involved with a small group or somehow one of these fellowships growing. Two hours involved Sunday morning worshiping the Lord and an hour just to be doing reverse vandalism in the city. Just doing crazy things, mowing people's lawns without their ever asking for it. You know, wax their cars. Those kind of things out there. And I believe that if we do this now you're gonna to have to let some of you are gonna to have to let others get to know you. you put up kill zones a hundred yards around you. Do you know what I mean? And you're going to have to let people actually get to know you. And you're going to have to take that risk, and you're going to have to get to know them. And I want to work beside you to lay down the tracks here. I don't do the ministry. Roger doesn't do it. Tim doesn't do it. Care doesn't. Brenda, you do it. Doug doesn't do it. You do it. And we can create, by God's grace, one of the most loving, disciple-making fellowships in this quadrant of L.A. And you know what I really want? There's an older lady that's a sweet lady, and Carolyn knows from back in Colorado, and she's a wonderful lady, but she just takes a bath in perfume. And if you hug her, you smell like her for two days. <laughs> and yeah, in fact, I've been, Carolyn's walked in the office before and said, Oh, I see that Carol was here. Uh, I want you to have the smell of Jesus on you. So when people hug you and bump into your life, They smell that grace. They smell that hope. And they got the aroma of that love. Christ loves this church. Christ loves us. Christ loves you with all of His heart. He'll never let you go. And He expects nothing less of us. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I thank You that You would love somebody like Brewer. And I thank You, God, that You would, in Your mercy, call me to Your side and provide that way by Your Son. God, I thank You for all the churches around the world, Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox, Messianic Jewish, all those that lift up the name of Christ. But, Lord, we really thank You today, particularly I do, for the rich Reformed heritage. And, God, what it means to know that we are saved by faith and grace. Lord, I pray that as you help us to come and to dream your dreams, Lord, I can't wait to see you turn Bel Air loose on this city. And that, Lord, when people come up here, may the aroma of Christ...